Hey everyone, welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Galatians chapter 3. It reads, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you this, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and the works of miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. In the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it's been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say into offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming of faith would be revealed. So then the laws were our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. All right, Jake, here in chapter 3, we get down to the nuts and the bolts, the specifics of the argument for justification by faith and how it is of most importance to the Galatians to understand that here. So let's walk through that. Great. Um, so I think first we should describe and explain what justification is. So justification is now that we are believers in Christ, we are able to stand before God as if we have never sinned. It's the way that God now looks at us because of the work that Jesus has done on our behalf. Jesus died on the cross, paid for our sin, 
making it so that we look like we no longer have sin before God, even though we are still sinners. So that means that we are now justified, means that we are now seen as righteous before God in a legal term. And so that's what justification means. And that that description and that definition is really going to help us understand what it means to believe the gospel and how the law plays into the life of a believer. Yeah. And so a lot of times people look at it as kind of like an accounting term. When they look at the two accounts, everything in our account is covered by what Jesus has done. So when it's looked at in the eyes of God, we stand before him righteous. So as we think about that justification by faith and the argument that's here, how does Paul go about showing the people of Galatia, this is how we are to think as opposed to the way in which they're thinking? All right. So the first thing he does is uh, he points out that, again, it's by faith alone that a Christian can be a Christian. A Christian can be justified before God. And he makes a distinction between faith and the law. But another way that he starts to describe faith in Christ is faith in the promise of God. And he uses this example of Abraham. And he goes back to when Abraham was promised by God that he would be blessed along with all of the nations after him. And so that is kind of where Paul is taking us on this journey of trying to understand what is the law's role in redemptive history and through the entire Old Testament, but also now in our lives. After we now have faith in Christ, he has died on the cross and we believe in that. And now that faith has become full, where where does the law now fit? And we see from the rest of the scriptures, this isn't the only time that Paul has had to deal with this type of a situation. We know that in the book of Romans, he was wrestling with that. We see that James will wrestle with that later in his epistle as well. This is something that people really struggle with, adding things to the gospel or thinking in a way that's different from the gospel to try to do that. One of the reasons that I think that that is so apparent and it's so much of a temptation is we're doing this before an unseen God. And so it's hard for me to say, yes, God sees me daily through the lenses of Jesus when I'm not always seeing God. So I think just like the rest of the people in my life, I have to show them, I have to do something, I have to say something so that they know that I love them or that I care for them or that I'm their friend. I have to keep my snap streak up. I have to respond to their TikToks, whatever it is. I have to do these things to this person so that they know I care for them, I love them, and I'm doing that. So it's so hard for us to think in that way, that something could truly be free, that God could truly have done everything that needs to be done on our behalf. And so the humanity in us wants to try to earn that in some way. That was a really good description of the way that our nature plays out and the way that we try to live. It's really hard for us to think that God could look at us as if we were perfect, like his son, because we see ourselves every day and we see just how messed up we are and how sinful we are. You know, it's... (laughs) It's hard to even get out of bed without sinning in the morning. And you you pile that on the entire day and years and, you know, we're sinful people. And so it's hard for us to, to really grasp 
that the Lord does not hold our sin against us because we're seeing it every day. Uh, And this is really getting to the beauty of the simple gospel. This is what the promise is about that God has made with Abraham. He has promised him that he would bless him and the nations. And and we see that that promise is fulfilled through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ and through his death on the cross and his resurrection and victory over death. And our role is simply just to trust that he has done this. And then we, in response, live in a way that reflects that we believe that. So we really don't have to do anything to earn salvation. All we do is trust that God has given it to us. That's so good, Jake. And it it reminds me of a phrase that I've heard a lot in terms of, on my worst day, I'm a sinner saved by grace. On my best day, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And so in the eyes of God, my good, my bad has no meaning. It's only the standing of Jesus Christ in my life. And so it's always important for us to come back to that, to come back to the gospel, to allow the gospel to transform our minds, to allow the gospel to be the driving force for what we do. Because then as a person who has understood the depths of grace, the abundance of God's love, out of the overflow of that, naturally, my life should be demonstrating that transformation that takes place. But none of that is meant to gain anything else for myself. It's simply a response that I have to the amazing grace that God has displayed in my life. And so as you walk through this passage, as you reflect on that grace today, ask yourself, is there something else that I'm putting stock into rather than the finished work of Christ upon the cross that keeps me from really depending on God with my faith, but says and said, no, I'm earning this because I'm reading the Bible or whatever else it is that you're saying that you're doing to earn that. And hopefully you see, no, I am standing fully upon the solid foundation of the resurrection of Christ because his resurrection gains for us that victory from sin and death and allows us to be in a right standing with God so that we can go before him and that we can be used by him as his transformed ambassadors for his kingdom. So I pray as you do that today, that you understand what God has done for you and that you understand that you're loved by God. You're-